Tessa, can you read off the title of what Andy is talking about this week? I'm scared because I'm afraid that if I do, it will activate the Winter Soldier. Welcome to the 50th episode of Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do lists one week at a time. I'm your host, Human Recommendation Algorithms, Andy Bowen, and with me are my co-hosts, Mistress of Plant Life, Tessa Suela, Greetings. and Doctor of Stunts, Spiels, and the Stratosphere, Sam Morris. Great Scott! This week, Sam goes to Riverdale. Oh no. Tessa asked the question, is there anything sexier than a bisexual alpha vampire smoking a cigarette? And I dive into a convoluted plot to end all convoluted plots. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and rip this bandage off. Riverdale, so you finally started watching the hit CW show that reimagines the shenanigans of Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, and the rest of the gang as a Twin Peaks-esque mystery drama? No. It didn't. I watched the 2001 cult film Josie and the Pussycats. Wait, wasn't that movie a huge bomb? Yes. Yes, it was. So the team behind the film Can't Hardly Wait decided to reteam with the star of that movie, Rachel Lee Cook, to see if they could trap lightning in a bottle twice by adapting the Archie Comics property Josie and the Pussycats which most people knew at this point because of the Hanna-Barbera cartoon of the same name. So, Rachel Lee Cook plays Josie, they get a young Rosario Dawson to play Valerie, and hot girl of the moment Tara Reid to play Melody. Question, that Hanna-Barbera cartoon, was that the one where they had like a little like buggy and they went around solving mysteries? I think that, I think so. Okay, that's what I remember about it is... A weird little talking buggy who uh, sputtered a lot, solving mysteries. I will note that uh, Eugene Levy himself is in this movie, correct? That is correct. Just wanted to make sure that I was correct that huge movie star Eugene Levy was in this movie. In 2001, he was uh, quite a hot commodity. Uh, all right, what's it about? Is there a talking buggy that goes around and stutters a lot and uh, they solve mysteries? No, there is not. So this movie is about local girl rock band, Josie and the Pussycats, who are struggling to make it. They're playing in a bowling alley where nobody's listening to them. They have other characters from the comic books around them, but I don't really care about them. Basically what happens is this record company, Mega Records, This is 2001, remember. This is the height of the Virgin record store. This is TRL. This is right before MP3s start to hit CDs where it hurts. This is commercialism. This is pre-9-11. This is just a really weird time. And so this movie takes the Josie and the Pussycat story and puts it in this time by having predatory label execs sign Josie and the Pussycats to make them a next big thing and embed subliminal messages 
to get listeners to buy stuff. Stuff from Target. To buy detergent. Tide detergent. To use uh, AOL. Again, 2001. And so this is, this is the plot of the movie. And, and there's even a prologue. Is this a documentary? I feel like <laughs> yeah. this is a documentary. Yeah. You want to talk about movies that were way ahead of their time? So there's this great prologue of the movie where we start off not with Josie and the Pussycats, but with a boy band in the idiom of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC called Du Jour. They're met at the airport by their screaming fans. They get on their private plane and, and they're, they're celebrating their huge, big hit Backdoor Lover, which is exactly the kind of song you think it is. And they're listening to the new remix and they hear a weird track. This is immediately after they've had a huge fight. And I guess this is probably the best time to bring up that Du Jour is Seth Green, Breckenmeyer, and Donald Faison. So this could be an entire movie by itself. But they realize that they're hearing the subliminal track, and their manager, Wyatt, who is played by Alan Cumming, goes into the cockpit and says to the pilot, Well, it's time to go. They strap on their parachutes, they parachute out of the plane so that 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 Dujour can crash to their fiery death because they figured out the scheme. This is a real movie that happened. Uh, I mean, that actually sounds really, really funny. Uh, was everyone wrong about it in 2001? Yeah, everyone was wrong about it in 2001. The movie bombed. And the, I mean, there's every reason why it would bomb. It was too on the nose in its critique. It was too critical of a moment that it was in just having lived through that moment just going back to it through this lens was perfect it felt so cathartic and joyful and fun and this kind of satire could be cynical but it wasn't much like spice world it has meatloaf in it a lot of movies have meatloaf in it rocky horror picture show every movie that has meatloaf in it is made better for it I just, I just, you, you, <laughs> this was a movie that was way ahead of its time. Uh, the, the directors of the movie, Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan, even realized at one point that they were making a cult film while they were making a cult film. And that's the thing. You don't want that because it means your movie is going to bomb. Okay. Now, Sam, this is a movie about a band. This is a movie about a band that assumably plays music uh you mentioned at one point that they were bombing in front of a bowling alley while playing in a bowling alley and as someone who's been in a band who has bombed in similar locations that sucks but i imagine that you being the music fan that you are you don't want to talk about any of these movies or any of the music stuff you don't want to you don't want to hash that out i'm sure it's just the the soundtrack to Empire Records redone, but you know what? In in case it's not the entire soundtrack to the movie Empire Records, let's talk about the music. Hey, Andy, did you like Ten Things I Hate About You? Quite a bit, yes. You you remember when Letters to Cleo did a bunch of songs for that movie, and it was super cool. Yes. Okay, so Kay Henley, the singer of Letters to Cleo, is Josie on the soundtrack. So yeah, no, not like Empire Records at all. Also, this was like an all-star writing, producing team. Babyface, 
is the is the primary producer here. Jane Weedlin from the Go-Go's, actual girl band experience here, along with Kay Hanley, contributes. 90s three-hit wonder, Adam Duritz of Counting Crows, plays a part in the soundtrack, and somewhat of a mumble regular, since I believe this is, I don't know, I don't know how many times I've managed to bring him up, but Adam Schlesinger. This is power pop. Late 90s, early 2000s power pop all-stars come together to make just... I, we're going to be listening to this a lot, Tessa. I hope you're ready. I am ready. It's a really good soundtrack. And I don't even think you mentioned who the evil CEO is. Oh, I haven't slash, even gotten there yet. Slash Bond villain. Who is the evil CEO slash Bond villain? As you might remember, Andy, Tessa is watching The Good Wife, right? And so Alan Cumming plays a, a main character on The Good Wife. We recently got to the part where we're introduced to Alan Cummings' ex-wife, who is played by Alan Cummings' character's boss from Josie and the Pussycats. The CEO of Mega Records is played by Parker Posey. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I just think it's, I think it's also really interesting. Um, I believe Rachel Lee Cook was also in House of Yes, which is like Parker Posey's big indie breakout movie. There's a lot of connections here, and they all play really well together. Tara Reid and Eugene Levy, of course, are from American Pie. Like, there's just a lot of like people who know each other in this movie, and it's it's really funny. I don't think I've ever heard you laugh that hard at a movie, at least not for a long time. So, Andy, Eugene Levy does, in fact, have a cameo in the film. He is featured in an infomercial. For the evil plan by Mega Records, they're trying to sell it to the government. And Eugene Levy is the voice of America. Let that sink in. Eugene Levy is representing America. That's right. Famous American Eugene Levy. That's right. What's that a boot? Eh? Okay. Uh, This sounds like it's a hard recommend for you, Sam, but... uh... Recommend? Question mark. Uh, what have I left out, Tessa? I mean, do you want to talk about the characters at all, or I I think it's really funny. This is not this movie is not the same mood as the CW Riverdale show at all. It is completely different in terms of the way it looks and the way it feels and the way it plays. But it is actually really fun to imagine that this movie exists in the same universe as the Riverdale show like they are from Riverdale and they you do kind of see Riverdale a little bit in this film and so to me like there's there's even one point where somebody's like what are you gonna do go back to Riverdale and like I'm just I to me like this all is from the same the same universe it's just like a different extension of it I will bring up that there was a uh, Josie and the Pussycats band in Riverdale and clearly they've just been uh copyright sued out the wazoo and uh, are no longer in there, right? Josie ended up going over to Katie Keene, which was canceled after one season. So that actor got done wrong. Rosario Dawson's character kind of reminded me of the other, the the one pussycat that actually had a storyline early on in Riverdale. Their characters were not dissimilar. Tara Reed is the blondest of blondes. You know, it hurt her. I loved she was the best part of the movie. I, Dr. Sam Morris, PhD, <laughs> am saying Tara Reed gave the performance of this movie 
and I have a new respect for Tara Reid. There's a really, also, there's a really great joke in the movie. Missy Pyle plays one of the secondary characters who shouldn't exist in this movie. And in fact, somebody says, why are you here? And she says, because I was in the comic book. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm going to, I'm going to look into this because that interests me quite a bit. So I think what this means is also, not only do I recommend this, not only am I telling you, go watch this movie now, I think I have to finally watch She's All That now. I think, I think I'm there. That's another monkey for me. All right. Well, let's get into this week's discussion question. And this, of course, when I come up with the discussion questions, it has something to do with something I'm going to talk about. Has there ever been anything so convoluted or something that has a lore that's just so dense or so much content that you never bothered getting into it? I seem to remember a TV show. No, no, that's not it. Um, hmm. Nope, nothing comes to mind. Sure. 30 seasons of television. I can't get into Star Trek. Oh, yeah, Star Trek. Let's talk about Star Trek, the most convoluted series that I know of. Yeah, I mean, it's like 30-something seasons of television. Like, you know, I don't know. Is, is that why it took you so long? No, I just didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, see? Uh, what, about, what about you, Tess? Has there ever been anything that's just so dense or convoluted that you're like, you know what? I don't need this. You know, it's really hard because there are... You would think that something that's dense and convoluted would put me off, but it kind of depends on if I'm interested in it or not like there are some things that I'm like yeah I am so interested in this as a concept I don't care that it's really dense and convoluted like I will get into this like I mean like uh, it's like a uh, Cressley Cole has like a romance series paranormal romance series that has like 17 books and like it's like yeah no I'll sign on to that I'll read all 17 books and I'll wish there was more of them uh, you know, Terry Pratchett, his books are, there's like 41 Discworld books, and the only thing I can compare it to is Star Trek at this point. Yeah, I'll sign into that. Like, I, I like Terry Pratchett. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm into it. I'm here for it. I will get through however many books you want to throw at me. But there are definitely series, I think for me, it's more hype that causes me to not get into things that are long, like Breaking Bad, famous monkey of mine, Breaking Bad. There are two Is it a monkey anymore? You've decided you don't want to watch movies or shows or movies about white men doing bad things. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just it's one of those things too where it's just like there are two shows and I, yeah, and I'm not really interested in the premise. It's about a white dude doing. Then bad how things. is it a monkey? Well, I guess, I guess it's not a monkey anymore. But that that's my point though is that there are just some <laughs> things where it's like there's too much of it and I'm not even interested in it. So why should I? You know, like, besides people telling me that it's this good, why should I care about it? Um, I think that that's the main thing for me, is that, like, if you sell me on the concept, I am with you. No matter how dense, no matter how long, I will I will trudge through it. But if you can't get me on that, then it's really hard to get me into something that's long. And and we'll we'll, we'll talk about the world of anime soon. Because... <laughs> hold, on, hold on, let me, I have the perfect thing for, for Tessa. I'm just really glad that, that you finally saw the light and committed to the super, super dense, hard-to-follow, Byzantine, narrative, thematic thing that is the Fast and Furious franchise, Tessa. I'm glad you decided to see that through. Fast and Furious is a great example of something that I didn't want to get into because there's so many movies and I didn't really understand 
the draw of Super those movies. Yeah, took a lot of so complicated. To that one out. But like now that like actually sitting down and like once you sold me on them, I was like, all right, let's do a Fast and Furious watch. Like let's go, let's watch all nine movies. So like, you know, it can be done. You just have to convince me that it's worth my time. All I have to do is convince her that Hank Schrader is just as good as Dom Toretto, and we're sold. I got it. Tony Soprano is like Brian. No, not like Brian. Don't do that. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, have, I, have, uh, I have a series for you guys. Weirdly enough, it's by the same company that is doing the thing that I'm covering this week, and it's called The Garden of Sinners. The Garden of Sinners is a collection of nine anime movies. That's right. Movies ranging from 45 to 121 minutes. They, they were released over the course of like 10 years. And we're going to talk about how convoluted this is because you have to look up the watch order because the watch order is different or sorry, the chronological order of the movies is different than the order that they were released in. That's right. The first real world release for a movie is called Overlooking View. That takes place fifth in the chronological order. So anime Narnia? Almost, almost, because then you have A Study in Murder, part one, is the first chronological order. However, A Study in Murder, part two, is number eight chronologically. It, it's, it's insane, uh, and I, you, you, have, you have to look this up. A lot of anime series uh, and franchises expand to the point where it's just not worth it. Is it as complicated as the lore of Kingdom Hearts? Yes, yes. Kingdom Hearts is a great one. Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy VII, things that I'll never touch because I'm not interested in the lore. I think for me, it's just you have to go into Kingdom Hearts just... Like, there are some things that are almost worth it just because you enjoy them as long as you don't try to understand them. It's like that thing where you have to hold something, but you can't hold it too tightly or you'll kill it. Like, that's how I feel about Kingdom Hearts. Like, you, you can hold on to it, but you can't hold it too tightly. You can't try to understand it too much or it will actively turn you off. All right. Actively turn you off. Got it. Got it. Uh, speaking of actively being turned off, your description of this, of whatever it is, <laughs> did not, uh, did, 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 did not uh, key me into it. So I will allow this to pass to Sam now. Well, Andy, you're wrong. You could not be more wrong. Is there anything sexier than a bisexual alpha vampire smoking a cigarette? I said. Without coercion. <laughs> Three more vampires standing behind the bisexual alpha vampire smoking a cigarette. You see what I did there? Uh-huh. More vampires, huh? Yeah, I, I was, tr I, you know, I got a little behind because it's the end of the semester you know, the end of the semester is rough. It's just rough. And there's a lot going on. And I got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm supposed to record Monkey here in the next couple of days. And I haven't done anything this week. And so I was very, very excited to remember about this little indie movie that I saw a trailer for over a year ago called Bit. And so I... Oh, it's about computers. Uh, no, it is not about computers at all. If Although you go into a this... joke about that. If there the is, movie. Yeah, there Aww. is a joke about it in the movie, but if you go into this thinking it's about computers, you will be sorely disappointed. It is about vampires. I love vampires. I know they're a little played out right now, but I have been really enjoying finding texts that go about looking at vampires in new ways. I talked about Fledgling by Octavia Butler a couple of weeks ago. 
that is a text that goes about looking at vampires in some ways that are a little different, I think, than some of the mainstream texts. And what I saw of the trailer for this movie really made me think that this was going to be a different take on vampires as well. So I was very excited to get into it. I know why Bit was on your list. Tell Andy why it was on your list and why he is so thoroughly incorrect. Oh, is this the cryptocurrency uh, documentary? No. Actually, that'd be the fastest way to ruin this movie for me if it also was about cryptocurrency. No, the reason this movie was on my list was because the star of this movie is one of our faves from the Arrowverse, Nicole Maines. And she plays a character named Laurel, who moves to LA to be with her brother to kind of figure out her life after high school. And she meets a group of four very, very sexy, very queer-coded vampires who she's not completely sure. They, they decide to turn her, and she's not completely sure if they are the most ethical vampires in the world, if they're trying to kill her, if they're trying to make her one of them, if they're trying to use her. But she does know that there's a lot of femme power here. They are all female, and they only have three rules. Number one, you can't use glamour against other vampires. Number two, you have to kill everybody that you feed from so they can't talk about it. And number three, you can never turn a boy. There are no boys allowed in vampires because guess what? Men can't handle the power. Real quick, just just a question here. Was this plot maybe ripped off from uh, the movie with Sebastian Stan that I can't think of the name of? Uh... Oh, man. Uh, Boy Witches, Sebastian Stan. Tessa, I know you know this one. I don't know this one. I have no idea what you're talking about. You probably watched this one in, uh, with my wife in college. Oh, my. Covenant? No, I have not seen this one. Yes. Yes. I haven't seen this one at all. Covenant. The Covenant. I haven't seen this one at all, so I have no idea, but. they They have similar rules. They have similar rules. Well, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. But yeah, it is basically this very indie queer vampire movie. Uh, Laurel, played by Nicole Maines, is great. There's also uh, Diana Hopper, who plays the leader of the the group, named Duke. She is again, like, just this very like, alpha, and I don't use, I don't like the word alpha. I don't use it a lot, because I think people use it in ways that are not okay um, in real life. But when you're talking about vampires, I think you could talk about alphas or werewolves. And and also alpha is based on a, a debunked theory. There are, There's no such thing as an alpha wolf. Yeah, yeah. But but if you're talking about paranormal stuff, like I'm okay with it. Those are, Them's the rules, okay? You want to talk about alpha stuff, it's got to be in a fictional paranormal context. But she she's in charge of this group of... Very, and it's also like a very interesting intersectionality because she's like the only white vampire. Like the rest of them are different ethnicities, different sexualities, and it's really just a fascinating look at like sort of an underground LA scene in a lot of ways. And it, what I really, really liked about it is the fact that it was so queer coded, and it's very much not about the male gaze at all. But at the same time, it's very, like, B-horror. It's, like, a very, like, well-done indie B-horror movie. Like, it's definitely playing up that, like, exploitation-y, like, feel in some ways. It is very violent. There's a lot of blood, a lot of gore. But, 
like in a way that isn't scary at all. It's just very like vampire-esque, but they're doing it from like a more feminine based like perspective. And I also really liked that the identities of the characters were important to understanding who the characters were, but it wasn't about those identities at the same time. Like Nicole Maines is trans. She's a trans woman. And she's playing a trans character in the text, and it's very, very briefly touched on. It is important to understanding her character to know that she's trans, but it's not about her being trans. It's about her being a vampire. So I just, I found that to be a really incredible premise, and I really appreciated that in this film. Yeah, the word trans is never used in the film. It is not affirmed that she is playing a trans character until... At least halfway through the movie, and even then, you could miss it if you weren't paying attention. And that was really interesting. Andy, this is, I thought, reminiscent of Lost Boys, actually. The, the you know, L.A. vampires. It had a very late 80s filmmaking feel, soundtrack. I also, when they said there are three rules, I'm like, don't feed them after midnight. Did it live up to the premise, Tessa? Sort of. This movie, Andy, this this should also be a selling point for you, Andy. This movie was 90 minutes long. It's it's right at 90 minutes. Done. I'm done. Okay, I will watch yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> so, it 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 I it is a movie that has a brilliant brilliant premise. It also kind of reminds me of The Love Witch. It isn't as committed to the aesthetic as The Love Witch is, but it's definitely playing with those types of tropes, with those types of uh you know, 70s, 60s and 70s, like, horror tropes, even though they're doing it in, like, a modern and more stylish way, there's not a lot of plot to this movie. Like, this movie is all about just, like, queer vampires doing stuff in L.A. It's, like, Josie and the Pussycats has more of a plot than this movie did. So if that's something that really, like, that you want out of your vampire movie, this is maybe not the way to go. But if anything I have said, like, just strikes a chord in your heart, like... I like this premise. I like the idea of these characters. I like that it's 90 minutes. It's very tight it's timeline for a movie. Then you will probably enjoy this. But if you're looking for something that's like got a complex like villain or a complex storyline, that's probably not what this is. This is basically just introducing this as an idea and sort of making you live in this world for a little bit. By the way, Josie and the Pussycats is also under 100. But, you know, it sounds like for everybody who's not Andy, whose primary motivation is not whether or not the movie is under 100 minutes, it sounds like you're recommending. Yes, I am recommending this movie. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I couldn't really find anything else that was directed by the director, uh, Brad Elmore Michael, but I am interested to see if he does anything else because I really, really enjoyed this. This I went into it knowing that I was going to enjoy the, the B-queer horror flick, and I enjoyed it. So, Andy. Yes. You have another complicated name. How do you say this? Is it fate slash stay night or fate divided by stay night? The slash is completely irrelevant and is never mentioned by anyone ever uh, in the fandom. So it's just fate stay night. Fate stay night. It sounds like word salad to me, but I'm assuming this is another anime. Yes, this is an anime. Officially, I watched fate stay night. Heaven's feel part one. Pre-Sage Flower. I think you're just telling me words now. I think you're just saying, like, is this some kind of psychological game? Like, you know, like where they tell you words and you have to, like, give your, like, association to the words? Speaking of games, 
we're gonna. I was gonna ask gonna you what the game an- was this time. <laughs> right, we're gonna play another game here, and this game is very simple. I'm going to say a thing from the Fate franchise, the entire Fate series. I'm going to say the words, and you'll tell me if that's a real item in the Fate franchise or a fake item in the Fate franchise that I made up. All right. So I'm ready. Okay. Fate Stay Night. Wait, so that's that's the first one? Yes. Fate Stay Night. Sure, that's the title. I would assume so. Yes, okay. That it is it is real. It is the original. It is the visual novel released in 2004 that started everything. Okay. Fate Hollow Atraxia. No. Not a thing. Yes, this is real. This is the sequel to the visual novel uh released in 2005. Okay. You're, you're, you're getting a little bit of an idea, an idea here. Fate Zero. No. That is real. It is the prequel to Fate Stay Night. I was hoping that they were all like three-word titles, and that, that was my clue. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to get to a lot more words than that. Fate Apocrypha. That one's real. Yes. That is another anime that you probably saw on Netflix, and that's why you got it right, not because I was getting it wrong no i i actually really haven't seen it at all i have no idea what you're talking about oh that this is this is so much better this is so much better that you have no idea okay carnival phantasm no because it doesn't have fate in the title wrong it is indeed a real a real part of this and and i need to to make you understand this is about as prolific as final fantasy so what you're saying is that everything you say is in this series like this is the game. Everything you say is in the series. We we'll find out, won't we? You can you can you can certainly start guessing that. Fate Extra Last Encore. Yes, it's in the series. Okay, yes, that that is correct. Fate Extra Last Encore is a video game. So this is not just visual novels but video games as well. Visual novels, anime, video games, manga, and we're going to get to some other things here in just a second. Lord L. Malloy II's Case Files. Yes. That is correct. It is a, it is a spinoff mystery series. I'm just guessing yes now. <laughs> Fate Labyrinth. Yes. Okay, yes, the, that is correct. I actually had to look that up. And, and David Bowie's in that one, right? An animated David Bowie? Y- yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and actually, when, we, when I tell you what the Fate series actually is, we're going to find out how much fun that is. Sam, you're going to get this next one now. Oh, I get to play? Yes, right. you, you get to play. Okay. The, the, these, these were just the warm-up rounds. All right, I'm ready. Fate Unlimited Codes. Oh, okay. Uh, Fate Unlimited Codes. I, this is, uh, uh, is this the, is this the, the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, Konami code? Kind of, yes. It is unlimited. That's it. That's my answer. Okay. Uh it is a uh, a video game in the uh in the Fate series. So I I think I think you got that right. Okay. I I'll, I'll go ahead and, and I'll I'll give it to you. Okay. Okay, okay. Now we're going to go to the actual real hard stuff here. Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works. We'll go with Tessa. Yes. This is totally in the series. That is correct. Okay, now we're going to go with Sam. Okay. Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works. This is um this is like uh this is actually a cyberpunk DLC with the mantis blades. <laughs> so so close. Yes, it it is uh indeed part of the series. And no, I did not 
I know I said the same thing twice, but I didn't say the same thing twice. <laughs> okay, okay. Fate Grand Order, colon, First Order. Yes. The little-known fact, this is also a spinoff of The Last Jedi. Oh, yes, yes, that, that, that is right. Uh, you have a, 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 red, uh, a red-headed uh, angry man yelling constantly. Okay, okay. Fate Caliad Liner, Prisma Ilya. I, I believe I heard cilium in there. I believe that's like nose hair, which really fits with like the, the artery hypoxia you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Tessa, now this is, you're going to have to decide, am I just screwing with you? Have, I, have all these been yes, or is this last one a fake one? Andy, you're always screwing with us. But go ahead. <laughs> Fate Grand Order, Absolute Demonic Front, colon, Babylonia. I'm going to have to go with yes, because it's more word salad. That is correct. That is uh, the only identifying feature of all of these titles. <laughs> they only hold together because of the word salad. Here, here's the thing. I tried to make some fake ones, and I couldn't. Like, I, I could only make sense out of them. So, uh, and we're, we're going to go ahead and... and Mention a few of the standouts that uh, really would have given it away. Fate prototype drama CD, colon, on-ship Christmas murder case. Yeah, that could only be written by you. That, 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 no, no, that was real. <laughs> <laughs> You're so um, terrible at this. Apparently. Okay, okay. And, and just, just really quick, remember, this, is, this, is a, this one is a movie. This is something that they had to release in theaters with a straight face. Fate Grand Order, Divine Realm of the Roundtable, colon, Camelot, dash, Wandering, colon, Agaterum. This is a joke, right? Like, at some point, somebody was like, have we gone too far? Yep. Okay, okay. So, uh, wait. Hold on. So, that last one, though, that's the one with the hit song, It Was Agaterum, all along? Actually, I don't know what you're referencing. What are you referencing, Sam? WandaVision. Wanda what? Now you're coming up with the words. <laughs> so I, I hesitate to ask this because I almost don't want to know the answer, but what is this about? As, as you might have uh, gathered, this is a little convoluted and I've practiced explaining what the Fate series is. So I apologize. I was hoping that Sam would be the one asking me the questions because uh, he, Sam just loves loves the convolution and weirdness of anime so much. Um, okay. In the it fate brings series. tears to his eyes. <laughs> in the... <laughs> in the fate... Okay, okay, okay. Uh, in the fate series, there are wars over the Holy Grail. That's right. The Holy Grail. A real thing. Now, these, these wars are fought only by six to seven people. That's right. It's, it's a very small war, and it takes place uh, worldwide. And what these wars are is these people, and I'm, I'm fate fans, I'm saying people. I know that in some instances, the, they're like cats and stuff that, that do this, but we're just going with people for right now. Cats are people, they, too. <laughs> they summon heroic spirits from either history or fiction to fight each other to the death 
and last last one living wins the holy grail and gets whatever they want wait basically what you're telling me is this is like somebody yells kaiju fight form of moby dick and a giant whale materializes and moby dick fights uh napoleon something like that yes yes you you are, you are very close who, now who would win a fight between moby dick and napoleon moby dick come on who come would on. win in a Be fight serious. wait 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 who would win in a fight moby or napoleon oh <laughs> probably napoleon <sighs> uh, which one is more and- annoying moby but yeah moby I mean, I think it just depends on how you're judging the fight. Like, are they fighting with fists? Are they fighting with their wits? Who, who can drop the sickest 2000 era beat? Porcelain <laughs> uh, okay. um, beats whatever Napoleon can come up with. Each one of these, they only summon one uh, heroic figure, and the actual summoning of the heroic figure is quite complex, and you, it requires some... Something connected to this uh, heroic figure. Uh, it takes time and effort, and basically, the the people who summon them, they are called masters, are uh, the mana batteries that keeps these uh, spirits alive. And so, the way you uh, the way that you uh, get rid of one of these spirits is either you kill the spirit itself, or you kill the uh, the summoner. Now. Each spirit falls into one of seven classes, and only one member of each class can be summoned per war. You have the Rider class, the Assassin class, the Caster class, the Archer class, the Saber class, the Lancer class, and the Berserker class. And what's even more up to this thing is that um, you as the viewer don't know what the heroic spirit or who the heroic spirits are you're not told this they're only referred to by their class name so the main character of fate stay night emia shiro summons saber so you only know saber as saber and in fact it's a big thing when the action starts because if you can figure out who they are you have an advantage against them you can figure out what their magic powers are what they can do uh, in certain situations, etc. Now, Saber is an English blonde woman. Do you guys want to guess what heroic spirit Saber is? Again, an English blonde woman. She she wields a sword. She has uh, old timey armor on. Can't be Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. Yeah, yeah. That that's I, I shouldn't have said English. Not not because it, she's Joan of Arc. She's not. Joan of Arc appears in one of the many uh, Fate Stay spinoffs. Is it Bodicea? No, it's King Arthur. Oh, That's right. We're in the Fate bending. universe, you're right. In the Fate universe, King Arthur is a uh, a very attractive blonde girl. All right. I'm, There's I'm an interested. entire thing apparently how Merlin uh, did some stuff to to Arthur, and it, it it's 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 bizarre. They don't get into that in this though. This is a uh, just. This is just awesome magic fights against seven superpowered people uh, planning how to take out each other in various different ways. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, the one I watched, Fate Stay Night, Heaven's Feel, Part 1, Presage Flower, is the first of a three-movie trilogy. That's right, because 
Fate Stay Night is a visual novel. And what visual novels give you as a person is different choices that you make. And so they have Fate Stay Night has three different endings. And these endings, uh, the stories go widely, widely different. Uh, and they are referred to as Fate Stay Night, Fate Stay Night Heaven's Feel. And Heaven's, or, uh, and Heaven's Feel is the trilogy of films that has come out. And then you have Unlimited Blade Works, which is a completely different line of, uh, of story using the same characters. And uh, a, there's a lot of different deaths and a lot of really good deaths uh, in, in all of them. Yeah, I, I feel like if, I, if, if you understood at all what I'm trying to get, the fact that they are, they are summoning uh, heroic figures from, from outside of uh, time and fiction, uh, I'll give you a few non-spoiler examples of some. Uh, you have like Dr. Jekyll, you have um, Christopher Columbus. That's right. Christopher Columbus comes in at, at one point in one of these. I don't know which one. And his uh, his uh, alignment is lawful evil. So there's some shade being thrown there. So, I mean, it sounds like you enjoyed it despite it being so convoluted. Yeah, it, it, it drops you in the middle of something that you don't understand. And it doesn't bother explaining it to you well at all. Uh, it is... It is a lot of fun. It is just over-the-top uh, animated action, and it's really interesting to see some characters interact. Uh, it's really, really interesting to see uh, some some other things. Um, it's 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 like a weird version of the. It's an anime version of the Dresden Files. That's what it is. It's an anime version of the Dresden Files meets Battle Royale. And if you heard that description. And it is correct. Please let us know. Otherwise, I'm just going to assume he said that to trick me into watching it. I mean, summoning heroic spirits, fighting in an urban in an urban setting, uh, using tactics and thought out thought out stuff. Um, another one of the the heroic spirits is, is uh, Celtic, and uh, it's a, a word I can't say uh, because it's it's Celtic. Uh, it is it is insane, action packed, very much fun. Um, also, for extra convolution here, sometimes the spirits that are summoned, their weapons and stuff do not match their classes. So, for instance, the archer class might fight with a lance. Odd. So, like archer right. is actually supposed to just mean lighter class. Pretty pretty much, and and that's not even like really accurate either. But sometimes, particularly in this one. The writer class is the magic user, but the the caster class does not use magic. Like it's it, it is it is uh insane and just so hard to keep track of. I I I'm thoroughly enjoying this, and I'm gonna watch the other two movies later. And I'm sorry for anyone who is going to attempt to get into this because I told you what it's about. Next week, Tessa's got mail, and I'm checking in to see what Charlie XCX and Lady Gaga got up to during the pandemic. So where can we find you? You can find me at Suelatessa on both Twitter and Letterboxd. And it's been 50 episodes, so she's not spelling it for you anymore. I'm on Twitter at <laughs> Sam underscore Morris 9 and on Letterboxd at Archie Leach 9. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Noted. Find us on Twitter at Monkey Backlog. Email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts about what we talked about today. Anything you'd like to see us talk about in the future episodes whatever you want us to do please i don't want to keep doing anime it's just like one of my biggest blind spots so i'm just 
been diving into it. Our theme song is Hot Shot by Scott Holmes. It can be found on scottholmesmusic.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now get that monkey off your back log.